Today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, as we've been going through the Bible, uh, we've been going through the book of Genesis, we've been going uh, verse by verse and book by book. Uh, but as I mentioned before, I wanted to do from time to time, I wanted to do a special message because I feel the need every so often uh, to address the things that are going on, uh, whether it be in our personal lives, whether it be in the, in the things going on around the world. Uh, whatever, whatever God puts on my heart, I really feel the need to just go out there and, and, and put it out there, whatever it might be. Okay, every so often, uh, we, we're all in need of a vitamin deficiency shot. And, and as I've said before, the Word of God is, is to be taken in as, as a whole here. But every now and then, it's good to be able to, to look at some other things where He speaks to us as well. But I've always liked what Paul said, I have not failed to give you the full counsel of God. And that is the, the goal of this website, is to give you the full counsel of God, and as well to give you special messages in between that might be able to pick you up, or might be able to give you an insight of something that, that might be uh, on your heart, or something that might be just, uh, that you might be going through in life. And, and again, we're going to be, if you have a Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, this was written by King Solomon towards the end of his life. Okay, King Solomon was the, he was the king of King, I'm sorry, he was the son of King David. Do you remember David and Goliath? This was, uh, this was the son of King David. And uh, King Solomon at this point is, is writing this as an older man. Uh, king Solomon is no longer living in extravagance. Uh, he's speaking in a different demeanor here. Be, and the reason being is because he fell from great heights. Now, if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, that is the book that King Solomon has written as well. And then you could find the greatest wisdom ever seen that could be found there is in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs in its wisdom can be seen as a, as a preventative to the things of sin. Ecclesiastes was the result of a fall. And basically, it was... A, it was a book on how to learn from it, too, when you look at it. It's a warning to all people. And real quick, I'm going to explain what happened to Solomon. See, Solomon, when he became king, his, king, his father, King David, reigned for 40 years. King David passed away, and then by tradition, the, son, the next son was to take it over, and Solomon was the chosen and anointed one. Solomon became a king at a young man. As a young man, and I don't know exactly how old he was, but he was a young man when he was anointed for this. But God did speak to him, and he said, Solomon, what is it that I could do for you? And Solomon said, Lord, all I want is for you to grant me the wisdom to be able to care for your people. And of course, God knowing the hearts of all men, God granted him that and then some. He basically said, Solomon, I'm going to go ahead and give you that, and I'm going to give you so much more on top of it. He made Solomon, he allowed Solomon to, to become the wealthiest king uh, ever in history. Okay, and, and, and by a lot of that, a lot, a lot of that money, though, did come from his father. A lot of that money was an inheritance. And then, of course, Solomon did uh, acquire more of it within time, but through the blessings of his father, King David, one of the greatest kings, if not the greatest king of Israel, was from the inheritance. But of course it grew. And, and Solomon with, with, his, uh, with his wisdom and, and, and with his riches, he, he became a very impressive person to a lot of people around the land. And in fact, other, other, other nations as well um, were impressed by him. In fact, when, when Solomon became king, uh, Israel at this time did not have any enemy nations during this time. Every, everybody was at peace, which was completely unheard of at the time. 
But you see, Solomon, within time, he started to get a little disobedient to God. He stopped listening to what, uh, what God commanded. And I'll tell you what, one of the things, the, one of the biggest things that Solomon did was, was taking on the amount of wives that he did. Solomon had 700 wives and he had 300 concubines. Okay, so people are wondering, how in the world can somebody uh, put up with that kind of lifestyle? And, and again, I, men or women, can you imagine having a thousand spouses, all right? Now, th- this is really something. So, so 700 wives and 300 concubines. Concubines were, were considered, oh, they were kind of like considered wives, but they weren't legally, okay? So they didn't have legal rights uh, to possessions if something were to happen. But they did get to live in the house and reap from the benefits, but they, but they didn't have the legal status that a wife would have. But still, 700. I don't know how he kept track of their names. So I, I'd imagine he had some major problems in that household. And, and if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, you, you can tell certain things that he said in there in regards to living with a quarrelsome, with a quarrelsome wife. Um, and Solomon had his hands full and then some. Okay, so that was the one big thing. God said, you are not to multiply wives. So not only did, did Solomon multiply them, he also divided them as well. And what he did was, is in that midst, is he had some wives that were uh, from paganistic nations. God said that you are not to marry from outside of, of, your, of your belief. You are not to marry from outside of Israel, he told them. Okay, and what happened was Solomon married a handful of them that were from the, from the outside, and Solomon, Solomon ended up falling into the trap of worshiping the gods of these wives that he fell in love with. Solomon ended up uh, setting up shrines. He ended up worshiping and, and, and burning incense to these false pagan gods and, and, and setting up shrines on hills and whatever have you. And that, that angered God big time. And as, as, as he got older, Solomon fell. He fell from a great height. He's no longer, he's no longer what he was. Solomon is now a, a bitter old man writing this letter that we're about to read. And, and the thing is, so one of, the, one of the common questions that people like to ask is, is, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with my life? Well, if, if you call yourself a Christian, then that, that question should never be asked. Okay, God didn't give us the Bible for just a good read, or or He didn't give us the Bible when we're bored. He He gave us His Word to not just save our lives, but our eternal lives, to reveal Himself and His plan, to instruct us while while we're here on earth on how to live. Now, if there's something you will never catch me on, is a you'll never catch me on a mountain climbing trip. But if I were to go on one, I would be looking for the metal pegs in the mountain. Okay, so a good mountain climber leaves leaves the pegs so others can reach the top, and that's what the Bible is like. Others climb the mountain and they left the pegs to reach God, and that's the that's the way I like to look at the Bible. Okay, somebody had already reached there and and they left the pegs for us. So as we as we look at Ecclesiastes, it means what it means is called out ones. We get the Greek word for church is, is ecclesia. It also, again, called out ones. That's what this is. Solomon is calling out the people to observe and witness what it is that he was trying to say. And what we're going to look at is seasons of change. This is what I titled this message. Okay, And, and, and the reason being is because time is a gift. And, and it should be used wisely. I've said before that I've heard many say I've killed time or that I've wasted time. But God gives us a chance to redeem the time. 
So may this show us something. Uh, as a body of believers, as individuals in our walk with our in our own walk with God, God created four seasons here on earth. Okay, we have summer, we have fall, we have winter, we have spring. He also gave us four seasons within life that we could look at. We have birth, we have youth, we have adulthood, and then we have elder. And I, and I pray that this will show us something of importance. Okay, so if if, if you've made it. To the, to the fourth stage, whatever that might be in your age, in the form of elder, then that was a blessing from God because he, he has allowed you to live this long. And, and within time, within time, he has shown you things in life. And so, but the question today is that what do we do with what's left of it? Are we going to redeem the time that God has given to us? Now, I want to observe real quick in, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, if you have a Bible, I'm going to be reading um, chapter one. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, and it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. And a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, and a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. A lot of people like to use the term of, of philosophy in this passage, which philosophy means the love of wisdom. It's the study of wisdom. Uh, we get the Greek word philosophia, which is where it's translated into philosophy. A lot of philosophy over time, though, in places, are they're very different from each other. Eastern philosophy has always contradicted Western philosophy. But, but this isn't about philosophy only. It's, it's definitely a wise acknowledgement, but this is simply reality of all lives. Okay, so this is no longer a philosophical outlook, a philosophical debate maybe. This is just something that all walks of life can look at and say, yes, this is exactly, this is exactly true and we cannot contradict one another. See, that's how powerful the Word of God is, is that man makes philosophy... But God's word stands in truth. Nobody could contradict it unless, unless they're of rebellion. But there, there's always seemed to be a, conf, uh, a confusion in this passage, and especially in younger people. If someone has lived long enough and experienced things in life and things in the world, we all relate to what is being said. Our relying on time is on God. We didn't choose our birthdays. He did. Okay, Our last day on earth is on his approval. Jesus himself said that, that not a bird falls from the sky without my father's knowing. Now what's interesting is he says that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. And, and we've all done that enough throughout our life. Now, I'll tell you a story. I remember as a kid I was about to get spanked. I got in trouble for something. I don't remember what I did because uh, I had a long laundry list of things I've ever done to get punished. But I don't remember what I did. But I had I remember the incident. I remember having this random thought before it was about to happen. And I started laughing hysterically. Well, let's just say that that was not a good time to do that. 
There was a time, there was a time to mourn, but I ended up uh, uh, making it a time to laugh and it made matters worse for me. So there is a time for all things. There is a time for all things in this world. Okay, so the, the one thing though that many cannot relate to what Solomon spoke to about was is a time to kill and heal. Would have to be in the, that would have to be in the experience of a soldier in war, maybe somebody in self-defense. A lot of people cannot relate to that. But I, I had a boss uh, some years ago. I used to work in Los Angeles. And I had a boss who was from uh, Budapest, Hungary. And uh, he was a young man at this time. Uh, when I was working with him oh, 17 years ago, he was already about 60 years old. Um, but he was a young man at this time. And when he was in Budapest, I think this was in the 1940s, if history serves me correct, the Russians invaded uh, Budapest. And he was part of a militia that was in the city. And, and basically, he had to fight in the streets with other with other people, with other civilians who fought and killed some of these guys in the invasion. And to my understanding, my boss did have to kill a few people. And even in his older age, he would wake up screaming, and his wife would have to kind of calm him down and control him because of the because of the past there. Now, I'm also a, I'm also a chaplain, an emergency response chaplain. And I've spoken to many people over time that have, uh, some, of, some of them have had to take the lives of people, whether it be soldiers or, or somebody else within self-defense. And it's, it's not something that you can get over yourself. These are scars that just, that just seem to, to remain, but okay, but the power of the Spirit is the only thing that could help you. That is the only thing that could get you through such a thing. That's why Solomon said that there's a time to kill and a time and a time to heal. Now, I want to clarify something as well. The, the, the difference between where he said a time to kill, he said a time to kill, not a time to murder. Okay, there's a big difference in that. The, the, the Ten Commandments, it speaks that thou shalt not murder. But where Solomon states here that there is a time to kill, there is, there is a time for that depending on your situation, if you are in war, or if there is a self-defense situation. So a lot of people get that mixed up because of the commandment that God said. He said, not to, he said thou shalt not murder. And again, this is a this is a very a very hard thing to deal with because not a lot of people can relate, and I pray that we we never will. But some do relate, some can, some may have to one day, because there is a time for such things depending on the situations. The key is, is will we be ready for them? Casting away and gathering of stones. This was more of an ancient day use. Okay, Israel was covered with rocks. Uh, but building with stones was used, and, and in capital punishment by stoning was used as well. Uh, throwing stones on an enemy's ground on their on their crops uh, was done to keep them from growing the crops. So there was a lot of use for casting stones in Israel. So what Solomon was referring to here could have been uh, based on a few different things. But this is this is again ancient ancient literature, so we can kind of narrow it down to a few of those things. But at the end, he says there is a time to love and a time to hate. And the Bible says that we are to love what God loves and we are to hate what he hates. And when we look at the seasons of change in our society, the question is, is what do we embrace? Uh, verse 5 says a, a time to embrace and a time to refrain. When I see the news and everything going on, I cannot embrace it. The only thing I can embrace is God's perfect timing. Now, I, I wish I could have been doing this years ago. 
pastoring and teaching and whatever have you. I when I was young, when I was younger, but it but it wasn't my time. It was his. Time is important because we don't get time back. We can get back money if we lose it, but once a day is gone, it's it. You know, how how will we spend it with the Lord or with our family? You know, you look at your children and you look at the essence of time. You know, our children, they're like, it's, it's like concrete. If you've ever laid concrete before, if you ever laid a foundation down, and as soon as you pour that concrete, you only have a little bit of time to form it and smooth it out before it dries up. And once, once that happens, that's it. The only time that you can redo concrete is by busting it up and breaking it. And then you have to start all over again. But once you pour it, that's it. You need to, you need to work fast. And once it's done, it's, they're set in their ways. And so that's, that's the key here, and that's the outlook, is, is time. That there is a time for all things. Look at verse 9, and we're going to see 9 through 13. He says, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given tasks in which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of, his, of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. So now that Solomon explains the ways or things of time, he, he, he now digs a little deeper. Now, we now see the task that God gave to us. God made everything beautiful in its time. Okay, when God created the earth in Genesis, if you read Genesis chapter 1, it said, it said that God created the earth and it was good. Everything that God created, he looked back and said it was good. It, within time, it was, it was man who's, who's made it uh, not so good anymore. But I've said it before, if, if we have children or if we have grandchildren, we should never have to ask the Lord, what is our ministry and what is our calling? Okay, now... Even with children or grandchildren, it can go beyond that. But the question is, is will we be satisfied with the task that God has called us for? Can we be satisfied with the seasons of change when it comes to what God has given us? I love how Paul the Apostle gives his greetings in each letter written. Okay, when In the beginning of every epistle, which is a letter, uh, Paul had a greeting stating who he was and what he was called to do. And I'll, I'll read some of them to you to give you an example. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus, call, of Jesus, called to be an apostle. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul called to be an apostle. 2 Corinthians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. See, everything we do here, this is the key word, by the will of God. We all do what we do in our work, but, but this is by the will of God. Whatever I've done throughout the years in my jobs and career was by the will of God. I'm a pastor, Bible teacher, by the will of God. And the only reason anything I've ever done or anything that I do now that has carried on for a length of time is because I have dedicated it to Him. All I do is I tend to the fields and the flocks by His allowing now, if you've ever had, uh, if you remember the days of driving school, 
or when you when you got your driver's license, the one thing that that is always made known to you that that having a driver's license is is not a right; it's a privilege. That's the, it kind of goes the same way with serving the Lord in ministry or anything we do. It's not a right; it's a privilege of ours. Doesn't matter what you do. You might be a cab driver. You're a cab driver by the will of God. You might be a business executive. You are that by the will of God. You might be a teacher. You might be a business owner. You are that by the will of God, especially for those who are following God and following God's will. See, when you walk away from God, you are no longer in His will anymore, which puts us in a major danger. Now, this question was asked before. What profit has from our labors, right, is what he says. What profit has from our labors? I've, I've worked so hard and I have nothing to show for it. And we've heard that before. I think a lot of us have probably said that from time to time. And the answer was in verse 9. The God-given task given to man. The importance of knowing the word in this is vital because we don't want to do what we do for the wrong motive. When we set eternal things in our hearts then we, we see what is most important. God does not want his children to, to not enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy life. He put us here. He wants our, he, his children to enjoy life. He doesn't want us to suffer here. But unfortunately, we do have to live with the things that we, that we see around us. We're in the world, but we're not to be of it. And, and when we have the proper view of God, then we discover that real pleasure is enjoying whatever gifts that he gives us. And I love what Jesus told his disciples. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. I go there to prepare a place for you. And, and when a baby is born, uh, the baby comes home to the parent's house. See, the, the house is always there. But if you've had a newborn child as of recently, and, and you've had the home there... You know, Dad is a lot of times setting up the room. He might be painting it blue, pink. Uh, you're going to be setting up the toys. You're going to be putting up the pictures. You are designing that room for the new coming child. And that's exactly what the Lord was doing. He's, he was prepare, he's preparing a place for us, except it's going to be much more glorious than anything that we're going to do down here. It's going to be way beyond our imagination. But it's the same concept. When we give our lives to God, we, we see things in a, in a different light. He's preparing a place for us. The Father's house was always there. But now, He's preparing a dwelling place. I have an older son. I have a younger son. And when, when my younger son was born, the room that he's in was, was once a room that was used for other things. It was, it was used as a music room or whatever the case may be. But as soon as he was born, as soon as he was on his way, well, I had to prepare a new place for him. And now that is his room. That is his little dwelling place. That's where he rests. That's where he sleeps. That is his room. That's where he wanders into and plays. And God is preparing that for his, for his own. Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you. The question is, is, is do we want to do we want to have that? Do we want to have a place that's prepared for us? Let's observe verse fourteen through seventeen. He gives more bold truth here. He says, "I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing taken from it. 
God does it that men should fear before him. That which is he has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. So going over Solomon's life, he speaks of... of, um, experience with with God and and how God works. See, Solomon, he had a conversation with God in regards to building God's temple when Solomon was, um, during that time that I explained, when he was doing quite well for himself when he was walking with the Lord. And I'm going to read that conversation that God had with him. It's in 1 Kings chapter 9, uh, verse 3 through 7. It says, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now if you walk before me as your father David walked in an integrity of heart and an uprighteousness to do according to all that that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them and this house which I have consecrated for my name and I will cast out of my sight Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. So that was what Solomon's uh, first conversation with, with God was. God was giving him that instructions for staying the course. Now when Solomon didn't stay the course, I'm going to read now 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. And God said, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my, my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son, and for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now, that's exactly what happened uh, sometime later. Solomon did have a son who did take over, and basically, he did have it torn from him. He had everything taken from him. And when you look at all, at all the figures in the Bible, okay, the, the wisest people were the ones who walked closest to God. Their worst times were when they, when they strayed away from God. That was the worst times. A lot of people look at what they know in order to fulfill their purpose rather than who they know. And, and knowing God is the purpose in our life. It's made known that, that it's impossible to fulfill God's purpose in our life when he's not first. Which, which leads to verse 16 and 17. And as we speak right now, we're halfway done with the year 2016. And so much has happened here and around the world. I'm almost afraid to see what, what will come by New Year's Eve. But as Solomon spoke about a time for all things, if there is a time for something, there is always a time for prayer. Now, is there things we can do to help? Yes, absolutely. 
But none of it can be done without God's hand in it. Which is why prayer is, is for any time and all the time. When I see catastrophe somewhere, uh, organizations will send financial help and anyone can donate. And may God bless the generosity of the givers. But prayer is the only thing that can truly sustain those in need. There's no amount of money that can ease the pain of a lost loved one. And again, like I said, I've, I have dealt with this before. You cannot offer money to somebody who's, who's lost a child or has lost somebody they love. It is only the power of prayer that can ease the pain for that person and time. And as it said, things under the sun, which Solomon relates to, is, is what we all relate to. All things are judged from the, from the Lord, good or bad. So where do we stand in that? Okay, now there's, there's an old saying that if you can't beat them, then join them. Well, you, you do beat them by not joining them. A lot of survivalists teach that if, if you observe the terrain of the animals who live there and do what they do, you'll have a chance. But Jesus says that those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So who is it that we're going to believe? Are we going to believe the human survivalists or are we going to believe our Savior who, who knows all things? And that's what it comes down to. Verse 18 to 22. It says, I said in my heart concerning the, conditions, uh, the condition of the sons of men. God tests them, that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befails them, as one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Men has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and all return to dust. For who knows the spirit of the sons of men which goes upward, and the spirit of the animal which goes down to the earth? So I perceive that nothing is better than that of a, uh, a man should rejoice in his own works, for that it is his heritage, for who can bring him up to see what will happen after him. Now reading this can sound depressing, especially to someone who does not know the Lord. He's comparing human life to that of animals. Now the similarity is that we're both here for a time. That is the only similarity. Jesus said that, that not even a bird falls from the sky without the Father knowing. Okay, so what's the difference? The difference is hope in eternity. We could only do that through building a personal relationship with Him. You know, people claim to know God or know of Him, but those who walk with Him know Him best. Yeah, there was a man named Enoch who walked with God. And, and God took Enoch uh, to him. He, Enoch didn't have to die. Enoch was brought up. And I, we're going to see that later on in the book of Genesis. But I, I love what I heard. Um, I think it was from a child who said that, that Enoch walked with God so far that, that God seen how far he walked and says, you know, you're a little far from home. Why don't I take you up with me? And he brought him up. Now, that was from a child. But what we see was is at one point... Enoch didn't have to die. He was, one of, he was one of two people. Elijah the prophet and Enoch were the two that did not have to die a regular death. But when we walk with someone, we make progress in going somewhere with them. Solomon's writings here in Ecclesiastes was the result of what he's seen walking away from God. Solomon gave perceptions of things on earth under the sun. But see, God calls us to, to look above the sun. See, the sun we see here on earth, that's 90 million miles away from the earth. And the size of the sun is so much bigger than the earth that, that it would take 1.3 million earths in order to fit inside of the sun. 
But the one who created all of these things, which is greater than the earth and the sun, that's our God. It's best to be looking above rather than the things below the sun. Now, we're going to be looking at these things regardless because of the fact that we're here dealing with it. But he's calling us to look above. The title of of Seasons of Change came from verse 1. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. And again, the common question for all people is, how does this pertain to me? If we live long enough, we'll experience seasons of change. Some, uh, some we like, some we may not like. You know, I don't live in a place where, where we have snow. Uh, we don't really have fall color here. But I've been in places that have all of that, and I love the fall season. That's one of my favorite seasons because the, the leaves, I've been there in these places, these leaves, they change all these beautiful colors. But it's only for a short time because eventually these leaves are going to fall off. And it's preparing itself for the cold winter. And, and, and again, God puts us through these times, through these seasons. But everybody who goes through these are prepared for the four seasons. We're prepared for the heat of the summer. We're prepared for the cold of the winter. We're prepared to have our rakes ready for the leaves that fall. And, and when the spring comes, everything's coming back on its own. And this is a reminder of reality on earth. Now, if we're not teaching people reality, then then we're teaching the opposite of. But as we go through seasons of change, the question is, is will we stay the course? Will we stay the straight road? See, you cannot get lost on a straight road. God didn't make crooked roads. Man did. Straight and narrow is the way to the gate, Jesus said. And it's your choice on how you want to go with it. Now, again, a lot of people I've spoken to as of lately... I've spoken to some that have lost spouses after 40-some years of marriage. There's, there might be some of you out there uh, whose children are growing up. Some of your children are about to get married. Some of your children might be going off to college. Whatever the case may be, when you're walking close with the Lord, He allows us to be able to deal with these things a little easier. Because if we were able to live long enough, we've experienced that ourselves. And again, we're in His will. And we have to remember who it is that's in charge. We have to rely on Him at all times. And that is the key to this. Again, as some might look at this book, Ecclesiastes, it's probably a very avoided book. Because not all of it um, has a lot of uh, very, very fluffy, positive teaching in it. But I will tell you this. If you were to read the whole thing and take it to heart, you would say that, wow, this is really, really bold truth. And when God gives us something in the Bible, he didn't give it to us to ignore. If you were, if you were to write the most important letter to the people you love the most, you would hope that they would read the whole thing. So again, my hope and prayer here with what we're doing is that, to give, you the, to give you the whole thing. Now, in order to reach the Lord, I want to give the opportunity. If you're not a child of His, maybe you're hearing this for the first time. He takes care of His own and He allows His own to also go through the valleys as well. But he reassures us the time of a a place in eternity. As I mentioned, he prepares a place for his own. And there's only one way to be able to reach that, and that's by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you want to receive the Lord as your Lord and Savior, 
I want you to I want you to to repeat after me in this prayer. Dear Father, I come before you, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins. Father, wash me clean of my sins, Lord. Lord, I receive you in my heart, Lord. May you receive me as one of your own. And Father, I love you, Lord. I praise you. And I love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And again, if you've said this prayer, you've made the wisest decision that you'll ever make in your life. But the key again will be to to stay the course. And that is again the, the mission of this ministry is to help you do that. You must be continuing to feed yourself and you must be continuing to pray. See, prayer is the plumb line to God. Prayer is, our, prayer is our way of communicating to God. In fact, if you've said this prayer, the only reason anybody is saved is because they said a prayer. So remember that. And again, I would love to hear from you. You could email me. Or you could go on the Facebook page. So at this time, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye. And I just want to wish you all the best. And I'll be continuing to pray for every one of of my listeners. So thank you and, and, and love you. And again, may you keep close to God.